Why a fund? I'm not sure you want to do this. I'm not sure you belong. Hey everyone, welcome to Rise of the Next, a podcast by Farfinder Global. I'm your host, Shireen, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Lolita Tao. Now, a little about Lolita. She's a GP at the Community Fund, which invests in community-driven companies. She's also a scout for Lightspeed Venture Partners, amongst other occupations. Now, as a daughter of Mexican immigrants who came to the U.S. to seek a better life for their children, Lolita grew up under difficult circumstances in a rough L.A. neighborhood, but has far exceeded her parents' expectations, to say the least. On today's episode, Lolita talks about her journey as a Latina trying to break into VC. This conversation was recorded on December 2nd, 2021, when 500 Global convened the global VC community in Miami for its pre-money 2021 conference. The conference was an interactive experience at the nexus of culture, tech, investment, and global finance. And at the conference, Lolita was part of a panel of emerging fund managers, all of whom shared their individual journeys of trying to break into VC, having come from underrepresented backgrounds. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's jump to it. Lolita, thank you very much for coming on the 500 Global Podcast. Thank you for having me. We're also at the time of recording this podcast during the pre-money conference out here in Miami on December 2nd, and you'll be going on the panel in a bit. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about the future of VC. Are you able to share what you're working on that's in stealth mode? I don't. I think there's like some legal liability in it. Uh, so <laughs> just, what is the gist of it? <laughs> the gist is just I will be one-upping my game. I think what is right now, I can tell you that, building the community and building the bridges and serving the folks that I want to invest in mm-hmm. and, and bring on my journey as LPs as well. One thing that I'm very focused on is who are the LPs that believe in me because when you're an emerging fund manager, it's like investing in a pre-seed founder. Mm. You're really, yes, you can do the checkbox thing, market, you know, whatever, traction or whatever your due diligence list is. But ultimately, so early on, Mm -hmm. it's about investing in the people. So whoever comes along my journey, I really want them to be in it with their heart and believe that there's going to be someone working their ass off for a really long time to invest in the best founders, achieve alpha, and all at the same time enable the next generation of the VC startup ecosystem. What do you plan on talking about? What is the future of VC? Yeah, I mean, I think it, that question can be answered in so many different ways. But for me personally, I don't. you can't see me for those who are listening, but I'm wearing a Mexican dress. The future of VC is not just US-based, it is international. Emerging markets are something that we will talk about on the panel. I know some of my panelists, and I'm so excited to hear of the different things that we're seeing outside of the US. Mm-hmm. I do invest in North America, but also in LATAM. And to be able to see the opportunity that is outside of Silicon Valley and emerging markets and that are neighboring is really exciting when you can have unique insight because of your socioeconomic background. I came from nothing and a different culture, Mexican culture. Right now, I'm literally living in Mexico City, exploring the ecosystem and really understanding the founders, the VCs. How do we tap into an underserved, underestimated market? Here in the U.S., I've worked a lot with investing in underestimated founders, not to be confused with underrepresented. Underrepresented is a quota. Mm -hmm. It's what percentage is female, male, what percentage is whatever demographic. Mm -hmm. Underestimated is 
literally there's underestimation of the potential that a founder can go and create a unicorn because they don't fit the traditional status quo Silicon Valley model of white cisgendered guy who came from money, went to Harvard and worked at a FAGMA or something. Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about is there's so much money being left on the table when you don't go out and invest in underestimated founders. Well, what about underestimated markets and underestimated founders in these markets? When you're evaluating investment opportunities, how much emphasis do you put on the community-driven versus the being founded by an underrepresented founder aspect? Yeah, so the thesis is pre-seed-seed community-driven. So are the, did, did they pass the, the three-element test mm-hmm. is one thing. I'm looking for a founder who is community-driven themselves because sometimes an, under, an underestimated founders it doesn't necessarily have to be okay but I think there's a lot of opportunity there so after all of what I've said it doesn't mean I don't invest in white cisgendered guys who went to Harvard in fact I have white males that probably went to Harvard if we had <laughs> in your portfolio uh, in my portfolio yeah I've invested in 86 companies there's there's bound to be all of the dimensions and while I believe there's this other level of unit economics, when you look at the valuations, you get a discount because other people are not valuing them, Hmm, right? So so there's all these different elements. What I'm looking for are the best companies that will outperform and allow me to create alpha for my LPs. Mm -hmm. And so it just really depends on how you're looking at it. Do they have to be underestimated? No. But is that who I believe? Like there's like the best uh, from a business perspective, that's like the best case. You have community-driven, underestimated. Oftentimes, too, what I've noticed is from a socioeconomic perspective, when you come from less and you tend to be more community-driven, so it's more organic and normal. Community-driven, I think, is is a way to approach even life mm-hmm. as opposed to just like, I think I'm going to have a community. And you're talking from <laughs> your personal experience when yeah. you say come from less. Yes, Absolutely. Um, My parents immigrated from Mexico. So it's interesting. I'm going back to where they started. They came here so I could have here in the U.S. to to give me a shot at the American dream. And I'm going back because I believe I can create alpha in investing in both North America and and LATAM. But it is kind of like... But you're, you're, you're kind of bridging both geographies, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. But I mean... To go back, I grew up in South Central. My mm-hmm. first home was a garage. My dad turned into one-bedroom apartment. We had nothing. My parents were illiterate. They didn't finish elementary school. My dad's wish was success was me finishing high school. But throughout it all, like we couldn't have survived without the help of our community. From basic needs, food, shelter, security. South Central is where I'm sure you've heard the Bloods and the Crips in a rap song that where the f- the police song came from, where the riots, I the Rodney King riots, if you know of them, I was there. I wasn't watching it on TV. I was there. In it. <laughs> living it. I was living it. And so community has always been really important. And mm. what I've realized is for GPs, for investors, we need to lean into our unique insight and our unique ability to identify problems mm-hmm. and ways to solve. And for me, community has been helpful on like the most basic level in business. Again, Airbnb and BRBO. 
So it's amazing. And yeah. what happens is you get to do really awesome things with great people, invest in great companies, and enjoy all of this because it is a lot of work. Is that why you became an investor? I became an investor because there's an opportunity here. And I do believe that my unique insight gives me an edge and outperforming. I am a little competitive. Uh, <laughs> so let's make a lot of money. It, okay. Part of the reason why I also became an investor outside of the business side at the end of the day is giving my family a better life. My mom still cleans houses to this day. So am I going to keep hustling? I've been on this mechanical VC bull. So but you I can make money doing lots of things. That's Why right. investing? Why investing? Because money makes a lot of things happen. From mm-hmm. my mom being able to have knee surgery to empowering individuals to be able to take their talents and create the solutions that the world needs while creating a, a lot of wealth for me and everyone who's involved. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned before my background is in sales. I think it's the coolest thing if you can, and sales for me is an exchange of value for value. What is even better? And I've I've sold hardware, software services, and that was great. But then what happens with technology? It, to me, the it's the juncture point between markets and opportunities and the ability to create the future, create money, uh, generational wealth. That is really exciting. Also, I'm a really big nerd. So I love like all the things we're talking about. I'm constantly like, how does this work? And you're always learning. It's very humbling. You don't know everything Mm. ever. But you get to also work with the smartest people, the most passionate people, probably the craziest and a little masochistic (laughs) people. So that's also part of my answer probably too. I I think there's way easier ways to make money in a more conservative way. Mm -hmm. But go big or go home, right? This is high risk, high reward or not, right? And I think that for me, it's all in or not. And and this is an opportunity to not just change the lives of my family, but everyone else in my community. And there's just also money is associated with power. And if you if if you have been marginalized, treated poorly your whole life, and you know it's so unfair, mm. and you're able to come from a place of abundance and moving our society in a better place. If you give the power to the people who are actually representing the population, I think that's a good thing. Now, that's not my mission, but I I very much hope that as I share my journey, as I build and give and serve my community, that it does work out that way, that it's a ripple effect and and that we literally are more inclusive to the opportunity that's sitting there, that's Mm -hmm. being neglected, that's being maltreated, that's being marginalized. And I'm not for that. I'm like, why would you leave money on the table? Mm. And why would you not want to learn more things? I I think it's just exciting. You know, you make it sound so easy, but I'm sure you face challenges along the way, right? Of course. What happens to the challenges? I was facing challenges getting in here, right? I was not even being allowed in here into this this But we figured it out. (laughs) We figured it out. But I'm facing these things all day, every day. What are some examples? Um... Why a fund? I'm not sure you want to do this. I'm not sure you belong. Who challenged you in that way? Oh, so many people in the VC space. I I remember when I was first getting started, it was probably the worst. I think people now consider what they say because of my following, because of my community, because there's a community of us that are changing 
the future mm-hmm. of VC, right? Um, but at the beginning, they were like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't go to Harvard? Oh, why don't you just do it all the way? And like, if you really wanted to have a fund, obviously you would quit everything and jump into it. And I'm like, dude, I don't have a trust fund. You're not very committed if you are working on anything besides this. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't check the box of, did you go to, did you work at any of these companies? Mm-mm. Did you have an exit? I don't know if you're really made for this, Lolita. How can anyone enter a industry that's been exclusive for so long with that kind of welcome? And so I try to talk about that because yeah. the reality is it's, there's a lot of bad stuff that happens and a lot of it is emotional abuse mm. and bias. There's something really interesting that happens when you talk about underestimated. Most the default thing, and it just irks me, is also oh, you're a social impact investor. The moment you say that, it was like a default bias that you associated almost like philanthropy, you know, like something mm. good versus actually this is a, a big ass opportunity yeah. to make money. So there are people who are open to this idea of like, huh, maybe I can make money in the majority of the people who have been ignored, but they actually have the biggest amount of purchasing power and like there's all this opportunity and maybe it's also like I don't get it so there's not a lot of people in it so we should go Mm -hmm. after it I think that's that needs to be part of it but it's it's complicated right because VC is supposed to be about taking risk but then why do we have so many cookie cutter VCs and what advice would you give to up-and-coming investors who come from underestimated backgrounds who are looking to break into the VC world? Yeah, that's a really great question. Actually, a journalist from the Business Insider asked me the same thing. And so I I will share my TLDR of what I shared with her. (laughs) The first thing is know that you belong no matter what anyone says or whatever your little voice inside says because internalized racism is real and it's Mm. something that so many of us have to work through. So number one, you belong. If this is what you want to do, that's what you want to do. It's a hard journey, but if you say it, I'm going to take it at face value. Number two is really understanding what your thesis is into investing. Because honestly, we see it's all about how can I make other people more money, right? The other thing would be really understand your three customers, which we talked about before. You have your founders who you're selling capital to. You have your LPs who you're selling, you know, you're basically, well, you're taking their money, but you're selling them what you're building. And then there's the ecosystem that can be operators, that could be different organizations that can do a couple things. One, be part of the different uh, funnel when you are as a VC, but also can help and complement your support after you invest because the investment is just like the easiest part. It's what comes after we sign. How mm. value add are we? And we, I don't think any individual person or fund needs to do it all, but you do need to be able to leverage a community. Again, I am biased because I'm community driven. Um, and well, you see an opportunity in it, so. <laughs> That's what it is. I, I have full conviction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a community, guys. But to your point earlier, I will say this. Just because I say that for those founders that may be listening, your business does not need to be community driven to be successful. I just happen to be really bullish on them. And if it is community driven, hit Lolita up on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) At Lolita Taub. I am there all the time. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've had a wonderful conversation and I do hope that the listeners have come out of this with some takeaways. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. 
hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you subscribe on wherever you're listening to this so you can get notified as soon as new episodes are released. You can listen to this episode on all major podcast streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, as well as our website, The Global VC, which you can access at 500.co. Until then, you can also stay up to date with 500 Global by following us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all with the handle at 500global. That's all for me today. I'll catch you all on a future episode of Rise of the Next by 500 Global. This podcast is intended solely for general informational or educational purposes only. Under no circumstances should any content provided as part of or any such programs, services, or events be construed as investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice by 500 Startups Management Company, LLC, or any of its affiliates, 500 Global. 500 Global makes no representation as to the accuracy or information in this podcast. And while reasonable steps have been taken to ensure that the information herein is accurate and up-to-date, no liability can be accepted for any such error or omissions, and 500 Global accepts no responsibility for any loss which may arise from reliance on the information in this podcast. Under no circumstances should any information or content in this podcast be considered as an offer to sell or solicitation of interest to purchase any securities advised by 500 Global or any of its affiliates or representatives. Further, no content or information in this podcast is intended as an offer to provide any investment advisory service with regard to securities by 500 Global. Under no circumstances should anything herein be construed as fund marketing materials by prospective investors considering an investment into any 500 Global investment fund. Under no circumstances should any statistics, quotations, or other content be interpreted as testimonials or endorsement of the investment performance of any 500 Global fund by a prospective investor considering an investment into any 500 Global fund. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements which involve risks and uncertainties, and actual results may differ materially from any expectations, projections, or predictions made or implied in such forward-looking statements. This podcast includes content delivered by an independent third party that is not related to or controlled by 500 Global. All views and opinions represented in the podcast by such third party are their own views and opinions and do not represent those of 500 Global. 500 Global makes no representations as to or guarantees of specific outcomes from attending or relying on the contents of the podcast.